You are now listening to the Major Jobs Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Major Jobs Podcast. Today I'm finishing off our two-part series with Josh Mendoza, who is the engineer that started Destin for X. But in this episode, we talk more about what it's like being an engineer program director. He works at a startup called ChargePoint, which helps charge EV cars. And it's really interesting to learn more about how he uses engineering and how he used his time as a mechanical engineer and his leadership abilities combines both of those to make sure that he is successful in whatever he does. So without further ado, here is the episode. It was a great talk and I hope you enjoy it. Asking questions about what it's like being an engineer program director. So as you said, you kind of knew that you had this idea and you want to make it into something mentality. So what would you say is how you like first found out about engineering in general and that industry and what made you like draw towards that industry? I think really stereotypical story. When I was a kid, I used to like play a lot with Legos and build stuff and like take TV sets apart. And like, Uh I remember one time in high school, I like took my laptop computer, I turned it upside down and I took all the screws off and then I like popped out all the (laughs) RAM and the battery and everything. And then like Uh I put it back together and it didn't turn on. I was like, Oh crap, my parents are going to kill me. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, I eventually figured out how to make it work again. And, you know, I did the same thing with, like, every single, like, phone that I had. Like, I, you know, unscrew the, the, the back off. Oh, like, wow, like, this is how, like, the, the screen is connected. And, like, this is where the battery is. And, like, yeah. Uh-huh. So I think I just really liked electronics and technology and, like, figuring out how it worked. But I've noticed as I've transitioned further and further into my more technical career that, I like understanding things at a high level of how they work, but I don't necessarily like digging in too much into the technical part of it, which is really ironic because I really love math and science and I was really good at it in middle school and high school and college. Mm-hmm. And ironically enough, after being at Microsoft for about a year and a half, I was there for a little over two years, but after about a year, year and a half or so there, I was like, God, like I would hate to do this for 40 years of my life. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> And so, you know, that's, that's where I started to like, you know, think about what else can I do? Like, okay, started a nonprofit, that's what's fun. Uh-huh. And I started to realize like, wow, you know, when I was, my parents, when I was growing up, they were like, oh, like you like math and science and you like, you know, taking all your personal electronics apart. Maybe you should be an engineer. Uh-huh. And so I was like, okay, that makes sense. And then I just kind of stuck with it because like, I liked uh-huh. my classes and, you know, it paid well and like, you know, it, mm. it got me to where I was. But after, again, being at Microsoft for a while, I was like, mm. maybe I still, and going back to my earlier point about intersecting interests, I think now I still very much am interested in technology and I like building things. But I also noticed that I'm really, part of what I liked about taking the things apart was seeing how really organized they were. Like, you know, the battery is like perfectly square over here. And like this ribbon is like a ribbon connecting the battery to the screen is like perfectly laid out. And like, I really like how neat everything Mm -hmm. is. Like it's not messy. And I was like, well, how do I transition that or translate that to my career? And I think that's where when I was working at ChargePoint, I actually started off as a mechanical engineer. Same thing I was doing at ChargePoint. Mm -hmm. And then I started to realize, well... Well, actually, a lot of stuff happened over there. One, my manager, well, I had like six managers in the course of like a year because everyone just like wow. either like 
left the company or like joined or like moved to different departments or everything. But there was one case where there were three people on the cable team for like seven different products and probably easily over a hundred different cables for seven people, which is a lot. And I don't know how we did it, but after a while, manager left to go to a different company. And then at the time I was also working with a contractor and he, like I told him, like, I think I'm going to quit too because I can't handle this workload. It's insane. And then he said, well, if you quit, I'll quit. So then he quit. And it actually, uh-huh. I, I put in my two-week notice and like two or three days before I was going to walk out on what was going to be my last day, my senior vice president comes and grabs me and, you know, we go walk into a conference room. And wow. He's like, what do we do to keep you here? And, you know, for a little bit of background, you know, the first few months working at ChargePoint were insanely intense. The guy who was doing my work uh, or my job before me, he was like, I'm out. I, I still want to work for the company. And he kind of just moved to a different department. Another guy, he was like, this is way too much. Also, I can't do this. And he was also more interested in operations. So he moved to the operations team. And then there was me and I was like, I can't do this. Like, And I, I kept telling like my director and like my manager, like, we need to hire more people. Like you mm-hmm. look, you've burned out this one guy who mm-hmm. he moved to a different department. You burned out another guy who also moved to a different department. You're about to burn out another guy, me, if you don't you know, <laughs> let us hire more people. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I was out. And so wow. my SVP told me, like, really, that's it? That's all it's gonna take to keep you here. Like you don't want to raise, you don't want like a different title or whatever. You just you just want more people. I was like, Yes, I've been telling you guys for like five months, we just need more people. That's it. And he's like, Okay, fine, we'll we'll hire, you know, two more people. And so I got my two more people. And so eventually because of that, I was like, Well, you know, I actually don't wanna be an engineer anymore. Like I'll still do some engineering stuff, but I'd rather be an engineering program manager because like I mentioned earlier, that'll give me a way to actually like focus more on like organizing things because uh-huh. I don't do it. No one else is going to do it. And there's just so mm-hmm. much flying around. There's so many programs, so many products, so many cables, and then like all these components within each of them. And my first few months, I just like organized everything. Like inside of this product, there are all these cables. Inside of this product, there are all these cables. And like mm-hmm. there, no one had done that before. I was like, how in the world is this company functioning if like there's no organization <laughs> whatsoever? Mm-hmm. So Long story short, I just kind of found myself in that position by almost quitting wow. and saying, this is what I want. And I, I would much prefer this kind of a job than what I'm doing right now and just asking for what I want and, and getting it. And like you guys learned in, in D4X, like Kevin mentioned, you know, if you don't A-S-K, you don't G-E-T. <laughs> G-E-T. <laughs> so yeah, I, I yeah. A-S-K'd and you know, I, I G-E-T. Yeah. And I guess I can like follow from that and ask, how is what you do now different from being a mechanical engineer? What is the difference between being like the manager and being the engineer? So I think the the engineer focuses more on just execution. Like for example, with when I was working at Microsoft, it was okay. Here's the product. Here's what it looks like. Here's what your specific component is going to look like. And here's the materials that it's, you know, generally the industrial design team or human factors team wants for the headband. You know, we want it to be comfortable and cushiony or whatnot. Like now you go build it, like figure out, like design the plastic parts, mm-hmm. design the, the foam parts, design how the, the, 
the foam is going to connect to the, the plastic part? Like, is that going to be a glue? Is it going to be with like mm. a spray? Like just basically designing. That's pretty much all I was doing. Whereas the program manager, you know, at least what I do at ChargePoint is, okay, we've got this product or this, you know, cable project and we've got to run through testing. We've got to go check with reliability team. We've got to go check with our regulatory team. We've got to check with all of these different teams, marketing, design, mechanical, and have everyone sign off and say, yes, this is good to go. Like this cable isn't going to break. This cable can like support the, the current that we need for the car. It's, you know, in what environment it's not going to, you know, rust. And, mm-hmm. and so going through and just making sure that all the teams actually go do what they say they're going to do, but more so specifically for the engineering team, like, okay, we're going to make this change from the version four cable to the version five cable. What's in that? Okay, we're going to do this, this, this. Okay, we need to test it. Okay, hand it over to the reliability team so that they can test it. When are they going to give us a checkpoint? Okay, on this date? Okay, on this date, I got to check in with them and make sure that like we're actually you know good. Mm-hmm. We have a problem? Okay, what's why is it a problem? Okay, let's go take it to the engineering team and like have them figure out why it's a problem. Mm-hmm. How are they going to fix it? So it's it's a lot of like working between a lot of different teams so that the the program like actually keeps going smoothly. Or if it mm-hmm. doesn't go smoothly and some problem or issue comes up, like going to the respective teams and saying, hey, there's a problem here. We need your help to fix it. How do we fix it? Mm-hmm. So it sounds really like packed and there's like a lot of things that go into it. So I'm kind of wondering what your daily schedule is kind of like and how it kind of plays out from, I guess, when you get into work to the end of the workday. No two days are alike, but I would uh-huh. say, I think like when I first walk in, probably have like 50 or so emails to go through and I'm really wow. obsessive about my emails. Like on any given day, I'll probably get anywhere from like 50 to a hundred. And like, I wow. like getting to inbox zero. So I like, uh-huh. and, you know, some of them will be like, okay, like, you know, here's an update from our team in China. I actually just came back from China last week uh-huh. where I was wow. with one of our suppliers who, you know, build the cable for us. And they were having some issues. So I went over there to you know, kind of resolve some of those issues with them or new proposals that they had for how to resolve a, a design mm-hmm. or a design issue. Mm-hmm. So, you know, checking email, there might be some meetings with different teams, like the reliability team, uh, my engineering team, you know, getting the latest status updates or latest you know, testing updates or, you know, deciding like which way we're going to go in terms of like, do we actually cut in this change or do we say like, nope, not doing it. Mm-hmm. Or, or, you know, just getting timelines from other groups. Like we need all of these cables to come in by August 12th. And, you know, can you make that date? Okay, we can make it for these ones. But we can't make it for those ones. Why not? Okay, well, this is why. Okay, when, when can you have it? By? So again, just a lot of meetings with different teams across the company. Mm-hmm. Occasionally in the evenings, have conference calls with the teams in China. Since our evenings are pretty much their mornings. So it's the only mm-hmm. time that we can actually communicate in real time with each other aside from actually going to visit them in China. A lot of running around to uh, different places in Silicon Valley. Sometimes we need to run wow. some cables to a testing facility, figure out you know why they broke, run some mm. x-rays on them, going to the production line and resolving issues with them if they can't assemble something or if they find an issue during manufacturing that we might be able to fix mm. in our design. So there, again, no two days are alike, but it's, it's part of what doesn't make it boring. It's like, mm-hmm, no, mm-hmm. like every day is just like a new adventure. But sometimes mm-hmm. it gets really stressful because it's like, ah, I have 10 billion uh-huh. problems to fix today and I can't yeah. fix all of them. So, yeah. So how do you usually like deal with that 
are most of the problems mostly fixed or like what if like a problem goes like unfixed what's that kind of like you know i think part of growing up that i've learned is to realize that not every single problem is a problem like for example mm-hmm. when i first joined chargepoint and there were like 100 different cables like literally like i was known as the cable guy and every single day <laughs> i'd get like 10 billion messages from people or people walking up to me being like wow. this is broken this is fixed <laughs> this needs to change we needed this this is this sucks why we need a new cable we need to do this go fix this and i'm just like i'm gonna go insane <laughs> like i cannot do this and you know that's part of the reason why i was like i if we don't hire more people like I'm going to quit. Uh-huh. But no, I, I think part of it was also just like realizing that I needed to get better at prioritizing. Like, yeah, there are some issues that like, if they don't get fixed, like today or tomorrow, like we will delay like the entire program by like several weeks. And that's going to cost the company, you know, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars. And there's other problems that it's like, this drawing has a typo in it. And I'm just like, that's great. I'm going to work on that two weeks from now. Like that is not going to (laughs) stop the company from moving forward. Uh You know, it it falls all along the spectrum. And so at any point, you know, that's, that's, that's actually my job to say like, here's all, you know, 20 problems that this program has, like what's number one, what's number two, what's number three, what can, you know, it's three months later and we still haven't fixed it, but you know, no one cares because you know, when they came to us with that problem three months ago, it, they figured out a solution by then or, you know, it wasn't mm-hmm. that big of an issue to deal with in the first place. So mm-hmm. I think I've gotten a lot better of just realizing that you just prioritize better, like what's actually a problem and what can wait a day or two or, or a week or two. Mm-hmm. And I kind of want to ask about what the differences and similarities are in working at a company like ChargePoint and working at a bigger tech company like Microsoft. What are some of the I guess, like differences and similarities at both of those companies? That's a good, good question. Before I started at ChargePoint and after I had left Microsoft, I was in this phase of like, I actually took like five months off and I I wasn't working. I just went back home, you know, to spend time Mm -hmm. with family and just think about like, what what is the next thing that I want to do? Also, for Mm -hmm. your listeners, do not recommend taking time off to be unemployed unless you have like a good enough financial cushion. I had a good enough financial Mm. cushion. I had contacts. I had connections. I could afford it. Looking back, I would have preferred to like, you know, while I was still at Microsoft, like look for another job and then like Mm. have it immediately lined up. That being said, I made the analogy of an analogy of like two pizzas. Microsoft was a pepperoni pizza. Actually, sorry, Hawaiian pizza. It's very important. <laughs> if, you think, if you think about a pizza, it, it's, you know, it has a lot of toppings. Like, you know, you can either put pepperonis or olives or, you know, ham and cheese and, or, you know, pineapple or all this other stuff. And you kind of get to, des- like your career is a pizza and you get to decide what toppings you put on it and don't put on it. And, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. you'll have some toppings on there that you don't really like, but you just kind of have to deal with it because that's the nature of the job. And so mm-hmm. Microsoft was a Hawaiian pizza. And like, I like pizza. Hawaiian's, Personally, not my favorite, but I'll eat it. And so Uh I was like thinking like, okay, at Microsoft, it's a really huge corporation. Like it's easy to feel like you're just a cog in a big, you know, machine. But on the plus side, like I had a really great manager. Like I still keep in touch with him. He was actually at the banquet, like you saw for D4X. Mm -hmm. Tons of great coworkers that I had there. Some are still really good friends and we still keep in touch. It was a great product to work on, especially straight out of college. 
really challenging environment. Like I got to learn a lot about how to design stuff, you know, at, you know, world, a world-class level really. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the pay was really good. The benefits were really good. Like really nothing that I could honestly complain about aside from, I just got kind of bored after a while and I didn't know how to mm-hmm. tell my manager that, that like, I'm kind of bored. I don't want to do this, but I don't know what I do want to do. So that kind of put me in a really weird position. Cause it's like, I don't like this, but I can't tell you exactly what I do want. Mm-hmm. So when I was in these five months of, you know, looking, just, you know, spending time with family and, you know, road tripping and figuring out what my next job was going to be. Part of it was like, okay, well, how do I change the toppings on my pizza? What if instead of at a big company, mm-hmm. I work at a smaller company, either like a, a 10 person startup or like a mid-sized business? What if instead of working for a company whose product I like, to be honest, HoloLens was like, it's a great product, but like I mentioned in middle school, I didn't dream of, you know, creating virtual reality or mixed reality or augmented mm-hmm. reality. I, I think it's still very cool. I just, it's not something mm-hmm. that I'm just like, I wake up every day and I'm like, yeah, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. And, and so I thought, well, why don't we work for a company where I think I might be more passionate? And, you know, I mentioned my passion for cars and, and the environment, TVs. So I thought, you know, well, Tesla, no, I've heard horror stories. I've heard people don't get paid well there. I heard it's like a, a meat grinder. Like people, mm-hmm. like people are not happy working there. So mm-hmm. like, let's skip on that for now. Um, I'll own the car, but I won't work for that. <laughs> <laughs> I love my Tesla, but I, I don't think I want to actually work there. So when I was at Microsoft, I looked at, you know, in our parking lot and there was a charge point station, you know, in our parking lot. And I was like, oh, interesting. So like, you know, I could be still in Silicon Valley. I could make fairly good money. I could work for a company that, you know, is is in the same industry of what I'm interested in or more interested in. Uh I interviewed with the team. They were pretty diverse, both in, in, both in age. Microsoft didn't have a lot of young engineers, especially not on the team I was working with. And I wanted to work Mm. more younger people for lack of better words. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the people that worked or that interviewed me at ChargePoint were, you know, like kind of like me, like mid twenties, you know, early thirties or so. There were, you know, some older people, of course, but it felt more like people that like had also just come out of college like me. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know what, Let, let's give this just a, a shot. So, but that being said, over the past year and a half or so since I've been there, like any company, and I kind of saw it coming. When any company grows, you start to have like the big company problems. So like you start to feel like a cog in a big we- or in a big machine. Like it's harder to like you know be recognized for your work or you know just different stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it, mm-hmm. I saw like oh it's starting to become not like Microsoft per se, but like in, in that same same vein of like an environment or so. They're like the same problems. Mm-hmm. But I think working at a smaller company because ChargePoint when I started was about six hundred employees or so. Wow. It was like you, like if you didn't show up to work one day because you were sick or something, like things went haywire because like there's no one to replace you. So, you know, those first few months were really stressful for me. And like, ironically enough, I got sick a lot because it it was just so much stress. And I think probably I got sick three or probably like four times that first year just because like there was so much to do. And like there were so many people depending Uh on me and, you know, ironically enough like when when i got sick like people needed me more because i wasn't there uh-huh. so yeah it's just very different whereas at microsoft like people would go in like you know pretty late and like they would you know leave some people not not a lot you know they would leave early and it's fine because like there's thousands of employees like you know uh-huh. like it, someone's going to cover for you or like you know the, the, it, it moves so slowly anyways that like if you need to take an hour or so to uh-huh. go to a doctor's appointment or something, like it's fine. Mm-hmm. Whereas the charge mm-hmm. point, I felt like every single second that I was there, I had to like be squeezing out like, you know, a bunch of productivity. 
So it, wow. it was very different, very, very different. I'm glad that I got the smaller company or the desire to work for a smaller company out of my system because I might do it again, but not anytime soon. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I guess following up from that, there's a lot of people like teenagers and a lot of my classmates that their main goal is to get in a job in the STEM field and work at a big company like Google, Microsoft. So what is your advice to those teenagers that want to work in those big tech companies? No, I'd say, and I'm going to sound like a broken record, Thielen, because we told you this already during D4X, <laughs> but just network with people that are in the field that you want or even mm-hmm. think that you want. Like in my own life, the past years, I've networked with people that like, are in industries that I never even think I will consider. But if that one day comes mm-hmm. along, like five years from now, where I'm like, oh yeah, absolutely. I want to do random thing. I know someone I can talk to. But you know, to, to your point, it's if you think you want to be a software engineer at Google or you want to be a product manager for Lyft, or you know, just find create a LinkedIn account, find them on LinkedIn, send them a personalized message, and you know, you've got a huge advantage of time. Because if you're in high school, you've still got, you know, maybe four years of college and depending on where you are in high school, you know, one or two years of high school left. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you just develop that relationship with them. You know, you might have to reach out to 10 people to get just one of them to respond. And that, that's fine. That's part of the process. But if you can find someone who, you know, say is a product manager at, at Lyft and like you think you might want to do that, start a conversation with them. You know, let's run a phone call or like I'll treat you to like coffee or something. Mm-hmm. And like develop that relationship and like ask them like exactly what you're doing with your podcast team. And like, how did you get here? What did you do? What mm-hmm. advice do you have for me? What classes should I take? What should I major in? And, you know, most people are like more than happy to share their story and like how they got there because people love talking about themselves. They think they're the most important person on the planet. <laughs> and so, you know, uh-huh. if you just ask someone like, how did you get here? Like most, again, not all the time, but you know, most of the time they'll be like, sure, I'll be, I'd be happy to tell you. And like, Mm-hmm. You know, maybe from there you end up, you know, if you connect with that person and it clicks, like they might offer you an internship when you're in college. And, you know, from that internship, you might learn like, oh, wow, like I actually really like working for this company or actually I really don't. And that's fine too. Like realizing that like you actually don't want to work someplace or at a company or you don't want to be a software engineer or you don't want to do something. That's fine too. That's, that's part of the mm-hmm. process. Yeah. I'd say just reach out, find people on LinkedIn and, you know, connect with them, see if they want to, you know, converse with you for a bit and you know just see where that goes i think that's the most important thing that anyone can do most important skill anyone can learn Mm. and as we're nearing the like the end time i don't want to take up too much more of your time i have one last question which is what do you want to do in the future what do you want to do or what do you want to continue doing so i know you talked a bit about wanting to start your own company be it for profit or nonprofit, or you said you wanted to like join a bigger company or something. So what is your plans for the future? That is a very good question. And I have a good idea, but like everything in my life for the past couple of years, I don't know. I think that's part of the excitement of the journey. Like when I was in middle school, high school, even college, I never would have thought to work for ChargePoint because I don't even, well, it did exist actually, but I've never heard of it. I didn't think mm-hmm. that I was going to be, you know, working as executive director for Dustin Frex, yet here I am. 
But I think the next thing that I really do want to do is something more in like actual design in, in terms of like either interior design or like graphic design or it's just something that if not a career at least do more of a hobby in it because uh, i did a lot of reflection on my flight from china back to san francisco where it was like why am i a little bit anxious or unhappy at the moment and it's because like i haven't been able to like like feed that part of myself mm. that really craves like designing places and experiences and objects mm. And, you know, while I do design some stuff as an engineer, it's not, not always like necessarily beautiful. Like a lot of the times it's like 90% functional and 10%, you know, aesthetic or whatnot. So like that aesthetic part of me has been like craving, like give me something creative and like beautiful to build. Mm -hmm. So something in that realm, I was talking to a friend about, you know, either something, you know, more so in program management or product management, something like business or marketing like and again i'm, I'm just like kind of going all over the place because wow. I'm, I'm going through this process of like what is something else that like i would want to do like what is that next challenge for me because mm -hmm. if, if you couldn't tell you know for me working at microsoft and you know realizing i don't want to do this for 40 years my parents mm -hmm. were like what do you mean you work at one of the best companies like why would <laughs> why would you want to quit <laughs> this doesn't make sense <laughs> and i'm like uh -huh. well you know i think it's two different generations i i i'm more driven by challenges uh -huh. and learning new things than necessarily like the money is important i, I will say that because you know, i've got a few bills and do a lot of stuff but i i want to be challenged now more so in in sense of like how do i focus more on business strategy and like actually like for d4x for example was a perfect stepping stone of like i need to market this i i can post on linkedin uh -huh. i can post on facebook but like how do like real companies like market and like when I was working at ChargePoint, I was mm, looking at like what we do to market. And it was like, huh, we also post on LinkedIn. We also post on Facebook. We also like, but like, it's different because like, they're not people, like they're companies, like mm -hmm. they're, you know, doing sponsored ads or they're doing like, you know, different things. And it's just like, that is so interesting. Like I, whether I start my own company or work at a different one, I, I want to be more involved in like those kinds of decisions of like, what exactly do we market? Like, what is, what is our value proposition? Like, do people buy our product because mm -hmm. it's inexpensive? Because it helps them feel good about themselves? Because they're helping the planet? Is it because they want to, like, seem trendy to their friends? Is it, like, and how does, like, the company's marketing, like, actually relate that into a message that then gets put on a, a billboard or an Instagram ad or, you know, whatever? Mm -hmm. Like, that's really fascinating to me. Building the team at D4X, you know, taught me a lot about, like, how do you build a team? Like, how, how do you keep people and how do you, you know, thankfully I haven't had to get rid of anyone yet, but because, you know, some people have actually left without me, me needing to tell them, like, how do you actually build and create a culture? That's really important mm -hmm. too. Wow. Yeah. Like, you, and, and like all these things that like really fascinate me are very high level and like, you know, more like executive related. And I was actually thinking, so one of the people, I'm just, I'm going all over the place and I apologize to you, but I just... <laughs> no problem, no problem. The first year at D4X, we actually had our students talk to an uh, executive coaching firm. And I was thinking like, maybe I should like talk to them because I think I might want to go into more of an executive role at a company, given all mm -hmm. these new interests that I have that I didn't have back then, given the experience. So long story short, I think I see myself working more in, as an executive for a company, whether that's my own, or I think that's still a couple of years down the road or mm -hmm. for an existing one. So we'll, we'll see, but 
yeah, it takes time to, for me to figure this out and to, mm-hmm. you know, study and read and to do all the, the requisite for it to actually transition. Mm-hmm. All right. I think that's going to do it for this episode. Definitely talked a lot about a bunch of different industries and different things like nonprofits and engineering. And I can tell you're really passionate about what you do. And I know a lot of teenagers probably learned a lot about these different topics. So thank you for spending one hour of your time for talking to me today. I really appreciate it. And yeah, I definitely like you learn a lot about what it's like in a nonprofit, how to like create a culture. Like you said, that's really something that stuck with me because I never really thought about that before and how you kind of make something from nothing. And that was a really interesting topic. And I'm sure like whatever adventures or whatever things that you go on to do from now on, I'm sure that you're going to be successful. So again, thank you so much for coming on and I wish you best of luck on everything else. And I just want to say again, thank you so much for starting Destined for X, changing not only my life, but another like a group of dozen other teenagers with me. I don't, I can't speak for all of them, but I'm sure that their lives are pretty transformed now. And that's thanks to you. So thank you so much. I really appreciate you just hey, well, doing the podcast and also the Destined for X. Well, my pleasure, Thielen. Uh Really appreciate you. I think uh, you're doing awesome stuff with this podcast. Again, like when I look at you, I'm like, oh my God, like that's awesome. I was not doing this when I was in high school. <laughs> so like you're, you're, you're honestly like a really big inspiration for me as well. And, you know, anything I can do to help you or your listeners, you know, just let me know. You know, you're doing an awesome, awesome thing with this podcast. So keep it up. I know a lot of people are benefiting. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Major Jobs Podcast. If you liked it, please be sure to follow us on Instagram at Major Jobs Podcast. If you have an interesting career and want to be featured on the show, send us an email at majorjobspodcast at gmail.com with your job title and college major if applicable. Again, thanks for listening. And remember, life happens wherever you are, whether you make it or not.